beloved, you are now tuned in to Three Black Men, a podcast by three black men where we talk about theology, culture, and the world around us. The following content may not be suitable if you ain't real enough. Listener discretion is advised because real recognize real. Here's the hope when we look familiar. All right, everybody, welcome back to the pod. My name is Robert. I'm Sam. I'm Trey. And this is the Three Black Men. Welcome, y'all. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> welcome back or welcome back for the first time, as my friend Ludacris might say. Right, right, right. <laughs> I know, right? Um, welcome. First and foremost, we want to welcome anybody who is a first-time listener. Uh, we forget sometimes that people engage with us uh, at different points in time. Uh, and that's number one. And then two, thank you to our Patreon family who makes this thing possible. Right. Yes, man. For we love y'all. sure. We love y'all <laughs> so much. If, if we didn't have a Patreon community, my wife would not let me come play with my bros to record anything. That's how right. this would That's still facts. be just a group chat right now. Exactly. So thank y'all. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Tell the truth. Samuel. That's the truth. <laughs> it is what it is, man. And shout out to the first time listeners. You could have been listening to anything in the world, but you chose to listen to this, man. That's that's what's up. And, and to all the people who fall somewhere in between there, you're not a first time listener and you're not a Patreon yet. I say that yet. Yeah, I'm speaking in the prophetic. Like, yo, thank you. But while you sitting there contemplating at what level you want to jump to the Patreon, what you could do is go ahead and leave a review. Make sure that thing five stars though, because you're not no hater. And two, three, four, um, five. <laughs> matter of fact, that's the that's the rating we talking about. We want the review with the words in that jank too, for the algorithm's sake. Because that's man, we 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 trying to do things. You understand? So thank you in advance. Amen. My okay. brother's so eloquent. <laughs> We pulled it down. We proclaim it. Uh, so, name uh, <laughs> to the atmosphere. Sorry, okay. um, yeah. I was gonna say, do we need a song for praise? Yeah, the African angel, the African angels, right? Um, <laughs> so, on the table for this conversation, I want to kick it to Brother Trey to kind of set us up a little framework for us for yeah. what are we talking about brother on the table for today we have white people business and, <laughs> and i say that okay right now you were listening to three black men a podcast by three black men where we talk about theology culture and the world around us and one of the fantastic things about this platform and the lives that we've decided to live for ourselves is that we get to care about what we want to care about and one of the things, oh yeah oh yeah freedom free all right one of the things that we get to, uh that we have actively decided to divest from at varying levels for ourselves and, and it's, it's difficult all the time but one of the things that we have decided to divest from is white people business now if you listen to this and you happen to be white, you probably jump back both times. I said white people business three times now. Um, and I want you to know such <laughs> and pearls and all. Yeah, it, it, it's cool. It's cool. I understand. You've stepped into for I'll, I'll go ahead and disarm you real quick. We said it a couple seasons ago that our primary audience is who? Help me out, fellas. Us. Us. Our primary audience is three black men. So I, I ain't sitting here throwing shade at white people 
or their business. All I'm saying is that where we at, like the lives that we live, we don't all the way have to center that and engage in it or even take it that seriously with regards to where we at. Now, what does white people business mean? I'm glad you asked. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next few moments here, if you'll allow us. And not only the freedom to divest from it, but all of the times when we don't necessarily have the same latitude to do so. Because at the end of the day, being here in these United States of America, sometimes we got to pay attention to and be privy to white people business. Now, um, somebody asked me one time when I was talking about uh, white people business and how I choose to not mind it a lot of times. Somebody, uh, uh, what do you mean by that? Can you give me an example of that? And I was like, sure. The first example that came to mind, something that I tweeted about fairly recently as well and kind of got on some people's radar, this whole business of uh, the concept of biblical manhood and womanhood, right? The concept of complementarianism. That's in the theological realm, but this is an, uh, a relevant example to me and what I do, whatever. Um, complementarianism versus egalitarianism with regards to biblical gender roles and things of that nature is white people business. It's not. It's not to say that 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 those matters don't impact black people or black church or, or what it means to be that. But the idea that we would sit here and construct a whole biblical defense for the the the, the gender roles and everything and have it be something that consumes our time. The uh, y'all help me out, man. I feel like that's not something that we have to spend a whole lot of time fighting about. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I have my days where I was, um, you know, I might have participated in pushing, you know, those different things. But um, I don't know. I just, there's there's so much better things to do with our time. But also, like, I kind of have, like, my own agenda I'm kind of working on. So I can't be always concerned with, like, white people business and who's egalitarian. And listen, I don't really, I don't care. Right. To be honest. I don't don't care no more. (laughs) Yeah, I think what is important for me, I, I like to take a step back and think of why this is important uh, as we fight for liberation in our minds and our bodies and society and create in creativity is uh there are a lot of things um you know when we think about our american context there are a lot of things that are considered normative but when you really search down the depths of it when we say normal, when we say normative, those tend to be things that are normal to white people. When we say things like our culture X, and then I think that's not our culture. Y'all mean white Americans. Yeah, it never included us anyway. Yeah, and so when people are like, well, we all know that our culture values this. I'm like, black Americans don't value that. And so when I think about um, divesting from white people's business it frees up my imagination to center to think about to be liberated into the beauty of blackness for me that's my social location to think about and imagine a world that uh has black people in mind right because to your point sam 
the quote unquote normative doesn't have black people at the center. And I regularly think about this quote from Black Imagination, the book uh, curated by Natasha Morin. And in it, she says, close your eyes and make the white gaze disappear. Mm. You know, close your eyes and make the white gaze disappear. And Mm. that is a jumping off point uh, of the book to she asked these questions that are curated around what would a world look like where black people feel safe, loved, where they're, they have the uh, ability to express themselves, to dream. And that to me is where the life is. That's yes. where the party starts. And for me, I think, uh, and I'll say this and then <laughs> y'all can jump in, is there too often we find ourselves fighting in a, against oppression and fighting and resisting whiteness Mm -hmm. and white supremacy instead of uh, leaning into the beauty that is uh, blackness, right? Mm. I can't spend my whole life under the sun resisting oppression. I have to live for something else. And that's making the white gaze disappear. And there's beauty there. Yeah. uh... That make that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, uh, y'all know I just came off of uh, doing this little seasonal gig, um, little work from home gig, and um, Lord, it drained me. And I, there were times that I've I've almost felt like I, I I would just sort of vent to certain people, and I felt like I, I would be made to feel bad for not giving in to what is normative and what's normal and what my body and my my mentals right um was clearly resisting um fortunately the assignment came to the end but um as it came to the end uh, i guess it took about a week to really kind of recover um still recovering in some ways but just mentally and physically just a good week to just rest take care of the kids and rest um to just recover from all of that gunk and I'm learning the freedom like you say in in being okay to resist certain norms that I know just don't fit um and that ain't that's my business right that ain't yeah. that ain't the white people business that yeah. you know that, that they want me to make it that, that's just my business right that ain't that ain't y'all business that's just that's just my business um and so we all have this sort of lane to kind of fit in and 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 those norms just never really included us anyway. So my lane can't fit in that. You know what I'm saying? It, there, it just I had I had to really divest. I'm 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 learning what it is to kind of close my eyes and and getting rid of the white gaze. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's dope because at the heart of this matter here is wrestling with whether or not your own story is valid and accepting your own story as valid because we joke about it a lot sometimes one of those jokes is not really a joke and be like oh mind a business that pays you because a lot of times it's easy to get caught up in the fray of what people are talking about and pulled into various debates narratives whatever you'd like to call them and get distracted from the work that your soul must have and in doing so, we minimize who we are 
and what we've been called to do. And I'm talking on like an individual basis and a communal basis right now. But one of the things that I see happening, particularly with Black people who have been conditioned to, and I'm not pointing fingers right here, I'm, I'm talking about myself right now, um, conditioned to seek upward mobility is that assimilation is often the path of least resistance, right? The more that I can seem and sound and think like the people who maneuver in what some people deem the majority culture, the easier my path to comfort and surplus and abundance will be. Right. So there's always this temptation to do that. But in so doing, I lose or deny or minimize my own story and the people that made me. Right. Um, I was recently reading, I just I just finished reading and wrestling with The Divided Mind of the Black Church, a book written by the now Reverend Dr. Senator Raphael Warnock, right? Um, and I believe the, the book was actually uh, his PhD dissertation, still down a little bit, but talks about, in, in this book, he talks about like the clash between the pietistic um, minds of the, the Black pastor versus the theological and protest minds of like the Black Theological Academy and everything. But one of the points that he keeps on hammering on is that like, even if you go to Martin Luther King and his leadership with the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, right? Um, one of his models was that they were, or the model of, of that conference was that they were uh, to redeem the soul of America. And that by accepting their story as valid and their reality as a proper and valid location for thinking about God and doing theology and accepting the testimony of Jesus is true based upon what they had seen. And this is what they were called to do for society. And they could only do that by focusing on their reality, despite what other clergy were saying about the nature of the gospel and salvation, despite what people were saying about the nature of American progress, only by accepting their story, living in their reality and applying uh, the, the, the principles to their truth, did they affect any meaningful change or any meaningful witness on the society around them? So I say all of that to say that by accepting their story as true, by minding the business that paid them, by, by, by you know what, whatever y'all got going on over there is y'all business until it impedes my ability to live my life over here. Uh, they were able to affect meaningful change in American society. And I think that there is power in reaffirming your own story as true, despite what assimilation or uh burying yourself in white people business <laughs> uh whatever tim whatever that temptation might offer you i think there is power in accepting your own story is true am i making sense right now yeah i yeah 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 i think the thing that i i have been thinking of as we're talking is uh some concrete examples right um <clears throat> the first thing that comes to mind uh, besides complementarianism, <laughs> egalitarian, which in the theological realm, that is something that will rage until the Lord receives us into glory, 
um, and mostly raging in white spaces. But I think of the detriment that happens when white imagination is centered uh, as normative in AKA white people's business and us taking on that as our collective struggle. Um, No, (laughs) because I think of, you know, even when we talk about things like purity culture in the, in the Christian space, often what I like to do is uh, with people is, is to stop them right there and say, which purity message are you talking about? Um, because if you're talking about Joshua Harris, which is largely what white people are talking about, or John Piper, um, a lot of black people don't know them. <laughs> you know, where's Mariah We don't know her. Um, <laughs> and, you know, because I grew up in a time where T.D. Jakes made a holy sex album. Um, oh, we, Lord. <laughs> I never, I never <laughs> No, but we have similar messages but they were different they were different in how they were handed out they were different in how they affected black women black uh lgbtq people black men and so we're not even meaning the same things when we're saying purity and so when i talk about uh centering the black imagination centering black people it's not because i don't care about others it's because I want uh, answers for people where I live, you know, answers for people who are, whom are connected to me. And there's a problem when we are connected to the larger um, imagination of white people and we uh, digress from uh, thinking about answers for and engaging with things that pertain to us. And then in a, um, in a different realm, I think about all that we lose out when we do that, even artistically, right? I think there was a boom in the late 80s, early 90s, even going to the 2000s in sitcoms where Black people had all of these unique stories that were coming out um, that just pertain to us um, all walks of life, right? I think of um, all these different things where the Black imagination was being centered. And now I think in our day, um even the black shows are mimicking you know white um prototypes and it's such a sadness and we lose out when that happens right uh so that's what i'm thinking yeah um because i think about bel-air is is a beautiful example of like a uniquely black story that's divested from white people's business and is like no, this is an authentically black thing. Yeah. Yo, though, I'm gonna tell you, I and I don't know why, but I just I just feel like those spaces are are just so hard to come by. Um you're right. You know, uh Marielle said something on the Patreon thing. Uh, and I mean she said I've heard her say it before on her podcast, but um bro the cost of liberation like when when i think so for me I, i'm i'm still sort of imagining or reimagining what liberation would look like for me right with with completely you know divesting from white people's business would look like 
And um, honestly, it centers a lot of my kids, right? Like um, there are a lot of, and there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot in their personality and character I see that I don't want folks tampering with, right? Like that I just want to nurture and love and I would love for them to be accepted in that way, right? Um, but I I know when they leave out of our house, it's gonna be white people. This is all around. Sort of like we live in Florida, right? We know our who our governor is. Um, so when they get in, you know what I'm saying? We got Ron DeSantis right now as our governor. So like just living in Florida, there is just it's tragic. It, I hate that for y'all. It really is, man. Trey, Trey you get it. Ferguson, bro. stop it. I know, man. Listen, you <laughs> Mute can try yourself. and claim, right. You can try and put Miami on the island all you want to. You got Ron to say, if I'm not mistaken, y'all was the folks <laughs> that almost turned Florida red again. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. It was anyway, by the hell to turn. Um, anyways, no. go ahead, but, Sam. But just so like I'm coming to grips with that, right? Um, and I'm like, you know, Rob, you text that that quote to us earlier, and I just kind of every every so often I pull it out of my pocket and I just read it, and I just I'm sitting with it because um, I am mad. I I know that there are things right there on this side of glory we will just never see um but i want i would love to raise black children who are free and liberated in their blackness and and comfortable in who they are right no matter what space they go in right so they don't have they don't feel the necessity to code switch to where code switch becomes a mask now and it ain't code switching no more right it's just a way of coping and dealing with society i don't want them to have to um go through at least so early right in life um so in so many ways we affirm them we affirm their blackness we affirm their melanin we affirm their imaginations um we engage their imaginations often um as much as possible um because that i feel like is a weapon right a especially at, at such an early age like reading this quote is is it, it's gold for them to have this imagination that is solely filled with their business <laughs> right that they can be so locked into their business um the impact that they could have like just on the people that they meet on the world that they live in um you know what i'm saying that the yeah. black imagination can thrive we can see the 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 renaissance of black television shows like thank god for people like Issa ray and and mm -hmm. uh um quinta like thank god for people like them but like that we can see a, a like a renaissance of of that again black art of blackness you know what i'm saying not a yeah. mimic not a watered down version you know what i'm saying Dang, man, yeah. Rob, you something right there, man. Yeah, I think of the implications of not letting the white gaze disappear is what's coming to me as you were talking. Um, and I think, you know, part of it is the generations behind us not being able to walk in that freedom and being able to take a deep breath. And of course, we know on American soil, um, <coughs> there will we ever be completely free in the natural? I don't know, I don't think so. But I wanna sketch out what is the end goal of white supremacy? You know, cause we're saying this overarching thing of white people's business. And um, of course there are gonna be a white person like, oh, 
You know, I love black people. No, because white people's business ends up um, not individual white person who loves people and try to do their best. But when we say white people's business, there is knit within that uh, um, the reality and the knowledge of what has happened on American soil, the reality of white supremacy, and the knowledge that the end result of that is death. And that's death to the mind, that's death to the soul, and that's death to the body, right? And white supremacy doesn't play nice with others, right? And so I wanted to, I want to insert that here because somebody listening might say, well, what, what does it matter if you entertain white people's business? What does it matter if you go back and forth with somebody online um, about theological things that have to do with whiteness? What does it matter if there isn't that renaissance of black art? Um, white people's business is good business. Um, no, individual white people are great. We love white people. Absolutely. What we don't love is white supremacy that, that crushes part. everything in its path and that demands uh, a seat at the table that is inequitable with everyone else, mm-hmm. right? That demand, right? Um, it doesn't allow for oxygen in the room. And so for me, when I divest from white people's business, I have to carve out a place for Sam's kids. I have to actually say, no, this is a place where you can sit young children where you're safe here um, because white supremacy doesn't allow for that. And so if you see me not engaging with things that don't pertain to blackness, that's why, I, That's why, because I am aware that our people need to breathe. They need to breathe in freedom. They need to breathe in joy. They need to breathe in all these things, right? So I'm just thinking about the implications of not letting the white gaze disappear. Yeah, well, and can I just add like to what I think would be white people's business also would be also be things like um anti-racism. Um, like don't get me wrong, like I think I I do think, you know, <laughs> um black people should be educators on those things, but I think they should be compensated for, for that. So I'm gonna say that. Um, but I think things like that are also white people, like I don't I'm it is optional for me to go back and forth with you on any level for free, right? If I am not in any sort of legal binding contract that says that I have to argue with you, kick rocks, kid. Like I'm not like, and that's, that's the thing. I think. I do even necessarily people sort of, huh? Go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 my bad, bro. <laughs> no, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> but not even necessarily arguing. I, Teach, you get train. frustrated. There you go. Because people all the time, like, oh, do you, would you like to recommend some books? Like, beloved, I need you to go ahead because I didn't recommend that Robert D'Angelo mess to you in the first place. Go ask another white list. That's white people business. Now, if I you have like, an Amazon wish list <laughs> with books on there, you more than welcome to buy one for me you and understand? for yourself too. I feel like Devil's Advocate uh, is full of white people's business. You know, like, you can post oh, something certainly. and somebody will say something. Well, just to be devil's advocates. And I want to highlight that. That, that is white people's business right there. Like you take that. Or the devil, friends. not the devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah. Like you literally take the that, devil. Right. And it could be something we all agree on. You know, like racism is bad. Yeah. But like just to play devil's advocate. 
<laughs> you know, Dude. like I, let me. T- uh, so perfect, what you're telling me, yeah. Perfect example is um, all of the pushback and the racist threats that a lot of fantasy characters have been Ooh. getting. Whether it's uh, Moses with Star Wars, uh, the black actress, or um, in Rings of Power with Lord of the Rings, uh, these black characters are going through it. Yo, um, she didn't get no hate from the from the Rescue Rangers fans. Yeah, the like they are. Fans. She yeah, was in Chippendales. Like nobody said all nothing. Of these, they put her in Star Wars. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they get <gasps> a nick. <laughs> like all of these black characters <laughs> in these shows are getting such vitriolic outrage in the name of um white supremacy wanting to oh. remain pure for uh, true to the original canon and they're just receiving all these death threats they're receiving these racist remarks and as black people start to post them there will be all these people in our mentions uh playing devil's advocate and saying well we just we're trying to remain pure to the author's intentions. And don't we get a say? And they're always white people, always. And what I'm saying, that is white people's business because you have the ability to remain uh, committed to something at the expense of others. Um, yeah, ahead, and that's one of the things that I would, that's where it becomes a struggle because it's easy and liberating for me to divest from the notion of white people business until... Yeah white people business starts trying to expand like they when 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 it becomes an imperial project and he starts trying to gain ground which is the very definition of white people's business very much so (laughs) no i mean seriously like that it doesn't stay localized and that that is the problem but even we're even having this right and then the whole the whole thing oh one in the honor of the author's intent and i'm like that's that's not really true because i seen some of y'all mad when rue was black in the hunger games and it's (laughs) clearly i read the books that's that's a black girl they they describe it clear as can be the only thing like they they just didn't say the n-word but other than that no rule was it was was in there and the fact is that white people business does not make room for anybody else like you that's haven't it. entertained the possibility that there was other people at the table even in in this imagination yeah and it centers whiteness and makes whiteness so normative that everybody else like if we fail to make the adjustments that you deem necessary then all of a sudden like no you're not working hard enough and so i say it's liberating for me to divest from that like okay fine you have your expectations i am not interested in what you have to offer but then the problem becomes when somebody else takes a product and they're like you know what i would like to remove my product my imagination from the realm of white people business because there's a bigger world outside of white people business white people business can't stay put mm-hmm. has to pursue that thing like wait where are you going you belong with us where why why are they being cast in our show why is this being accepted why why and people people get on me sometimes because on twitter like yeah i'm, I'm educated dude i got degrees and everything but i don't speak proper english whatever that means right when i'm on twitter <laughs> I can do it, but I don't have to. I'm like, okay, right. what makes your English better than mine? Here's the question I have. I understand what I'm saying. Yeah, did you understand what I'm saying? Did 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 the thousands of people who read this tweet understand what I'm saying? So you are being difficult just for the sake of being difficult. What right now you are upset at nothing more than the fact that I am free. 
You are upset of nothing more yeah. than the fact that I am experiencing joy and happiness and freedom without your permission, without your stamp of approval. And that's Ooh, when things yeah. become problematic, right? So, <laughs> And I think it requires yeah, then, it's part of divesting then means mm -hmm. resisting, and it actually requires something different because of the nature of how white supremacy asserts itself. Right, because it's you can't just go ahead and leave and make a new home because of what you're saying. Like that white people business will search you out, seek you out. You actually do have to make a stance. And I think that that's part of the problem, you know, like with yeah. Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, actually enacting something new, making new stories that include others man white people mad racist people in the chat mad ah, how dare you the elves aren't supposed to be as white J.R.R. tolkien is dead Yo. do you do you know do you know the muffin man do you like in the the anger the vitriol the rage it's like just the the ability to imagine a story that doesn't look like you feel so offensive that you There's don't a even black person it's unrelatable now yeah that you don't even feel that it's racism you're like no i, I just love the books baby <laughs> baby right it, you know what jr token has been dead what who are you talking to it, go like, back and read the books then you can remake them white yeah like like y'all y'all i promise you if they remade lord of the um uh chronicles of narnia they made them kids black the world would explode. Bruh, you know, the world would literally what was what's what's absolutely insane for me is is the way that they want to gatekeep a fantasy world. But when we have aspects of our culture, right, that we're like, nah, don't touch this. This is ours. They get mad. There's this, there's this sense of entitlement that this is somehow not just everybody's business and this is white people no this is ours because this is cultural yes because right? the, e even in the white imagination there's a colonizing aspect it's imperialistic that, right? it's imperialistic nature. imperialistic in nature. in nature that won't allow someone to remain beyond the scope and it's so insane. It, so you it can truly. gatekeep a fa an entire fantasy world you can gatekeep several fantasy worlds right you got Look now, Lord of the Rings, y'all trying to gatekeep. They try, look when they found out that Ariel was gonna be a black girl, they tried to <laughs> gatekeep that. They got mad that Genie was a black man, and I was like, he still was painted blue. Yeah, and that bro, that just shows you it's morally bankrupt. And I think that that that's 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 the part that we have to. Yeah. For me, I'm a theologian, right? And and I point yeah. to these things like that. That's a a bankruptness that I call attention to that can be spiritually renewed right mm -hmm. like it does not have to stay there i do believe that there is goodness and that there can be and there is goodness in the white imagination yeah oh yeah and it should be washed and should be cleansed in as much as y'all do y'all see this mm -hmm. this need to colonize even in worlds that don't exist yet isn't that wild like star trek there's like a black captain and people were mad in this newest star trek discovery people were mad and i'm like yo does it feel weird to you that 
in a future far off place y'all can imagine anything but y'all are like a black woman captain feels so strange that's what we can't wrap our like i can't get there um it's wild and see oh go ahead nah you got it bro oh i was gonna say that is why every chance we get like we affirm our kids it's so funny we Samaya put something on she'd be like dad what do you think it's beautiful baby you love it I love it I love it for you look go ahead baby like we take every chance we get to affirm their business to affirm what it, you know what I'm saying so that when they <laughs> when they go out and they see this foolishness they keep their head down and keep going because baby I wasn't equipped that way you know what I'm saying I really wasn't and it, and not like that's no shade to my parents but like I didn't necessarily I don't feel like as a black person growing up in America I was prepared the way that I should have probably or needed to be prepared to deal with and I get nobody could have foreseen that some of the things that we've seen in our lifetime but just based on history baby you, you know what I'm saying we could have did a little bit better uh to just affirm our business um so that we can center our business um individually and, and as a community but yeah here's the other aspect of this every time i make the joke it's not really a joke about me not having no quarter for white people business um there is inevitably i'm on a couple of haters who demand that i explain stuff and i'm like yeah i'm not doing that that's white people business um <laughs> but there's inevitably a couple people who like uh, a couple white people who are like yo can i divest from white people business too because here's the reality first of all no you can't unfortunately i'm sorry it's not the way this thing works uh but I, we need I allies yeah i understand your 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 impulse and the fact of the matter is that that is an exhausting way to live to not be able to enjoy anything for what it is, but to all to, to to need to shape and form the world after an ideal that does not serve anyone but the the people who crafted it. And, and and let me be clear about that. Although many white people benefit from white people business, this is not something that is is universal for white people. Like it, it's not a universal benefit. It's not it's not one of those things. So and when, when when we talk about like this in in jest, like even the the name of this conversation, white who business, whatever, like it's not an academic term or nothing. But what we're really referring to is liberation, like the freedom to be, the freedom to thrive. Because when we talk about white supremacy, it's not just bad for people who aren't white. It's bad for every like it robs white people of their humanity. White people business is not serving us well us mm. like universally like humanity um and i think that there ought to be some recognition of the fact that there is life that there is joy that there is creativity and possibility and that there is love that exists outside of the 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 realm of white people business you know? Yeah, I, I, I try to say that as many times as I think about it, that white supremacy, because we're saying white people business, but I, I, it's almost a subcategory of, of white supremacy for me. 
um, uh, or known by another name, the artist formerly known as white <laughs> 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 supremacy. Uh, Ta da! <laughs> Loud, plat out, watch out now. <laughs> um, so I, <laughs> um, I, <laughs> um, I, uh, <laughs> for those who know, know. Um, but I, I, I try to say that white supremacy hurts white people. And um, it, it truly does. And for me, divesting from white supremacy, white people's business is not out of hatred for, for my human siblings. It is actually out of love for humanity, right? Being able to, like you said, trade, there is possibilities beyond this gap. There's possibilities beyond what history beyond what brutality has said is possible uh, throughout this social distinction has made um, and even being energized by these spiritual forces. There is life outside of here and it's beautiful, it's freeing. Um, and all these different cultures ha have the ability to have a paintbrush on the canvas. I'm black, so I know about the black uh, paintbrush. I, you know, I don't know nothing about the lifestyle of other paintbrushes, but me, I'm creating, I'm creating, I'm, cr and I'm inviting others into, look how beautiful this is. Look at the joy. One thing about Black people, we finna laugh um, today. I'm not going to say what today is uh, to give it away, but Black people have really showed they tell today. <laughs> um, can't take us that, no yeah way. no no don't say anything because <laughs> for to get canceled on there but i, I just say well i'm just saying i'm just saying i know how black to protect people, the bad, bro. <laughs> black people we can find life in hard places we can find life in hidden places and i think Speak on it. that's a beautiful thing to offer to the imagination of our white siblings that seem caught up in a hundred things and say, y'all don't have to live there. I talked about a new segment. We're going to talk about uh, what's on the front burner, some some things um, that that uh, we are excited about personally as, as individuals and bringing that and sharing that with y'all. Yo, Trey here. And on the front burner this week, we got Sons of Serendip. Now, back in 2014, I caught these brothers on America's Got Talent. It's a quartet, it's classical crossover ensemble for black dudes. Uh, one of them is a vocalist, a singer. Uh, another one is a cellist. They got a harpist, and then they got a pianist, a dude on the piano. And what they do is they take these, like, popular songs of ages past, and then they rearrange them like they make classical arrangements out of them and it's some of the most peaceful music i done ever heard in my life it don't matter what mood i'm in i put their music on and i'm just mellowed out all of a sudden they got a christmas album out they done dropped a couple other albums and compilations and they're legitimately talented dudes who are doing something that i don't encounter too often it's something that legitimately brings me joy so i want to encourage each and every one of y'all to go and check out on whatever your streaming platform of choices or youtube check out sons of serendip get some of this food for your soul it's gonna lift your spirits i guarantee you that much and that's it for this week
now have a Patreon, which Patreon. I want to encourage each and every one of y'all to, to visit at uh, patreon.com slash three black men. Uh, think through it, pray through it, ask God uh, <laughs> if, if he would have you partake in this work that we're doing because on top of some bonus content here, we have uh, some blog pieces going up. It's going to be some devotional content coming out and I want to encourage you guys um, to visit that Patreon, patreon.com slash three black men. Go watch and, um, my kids ruin my videos. Go ahead. Watch, watch them, <laughs> them. Them babies ain't ruin nothing, man. Matter of fact, there's, there's more people going to sign up to, to see them babies. How about that, bro? <laughs>